You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. And you are listening to Pain.tv slash gold. All right, here we go, folks. So... I hope you had time to absorb that and think about that over the break. Diane Dooley is there, the old Frankenstein doctor, sitting there talking about the 20-year war and how we now have all of these uh, human cyborgs walking around in society with uh, prosthetic robotic arms and limbs. How convenient is it not for these people as they work forward, as they move forward into the normalization campaign? All right, let's continue. In some ways, I see that as, again, a natural, natural progression. This fourth one that we were talking about with this intensive data interface with the brain, it's different in that regard. Let me roll that back for a second, folks. You need to hear that again. Let's continue. All the time now. I don't think they're unusual in society, given that we've been at war for 20 years and these things are happening. So in some ways, I see that as, again, a natural, natural progression. Okay, so having these guys come back with missing limbs and attaching robot arms to them because of a 20-year war is just a natural progression. The natural progression of the societal awareness and perceptions of the human machine enhancement technology. Just a natural progression, folks. Totally natural. It's natural that we sent these boys and girls overseas to be uh, dismembered, to be disfigured, and then bring them home for the old Dr. Frankensteins to turn into walking, talking cyborgs. Jesus, folks. This is insanity. All right, let's continue. This fourth one that we were talking about with this intensive data interface with the brain, it's different in that regard, I think. Um, And so from a societal perspective, I think that's the one we have to think the most about. Again, as Peter said, this is a leap. This is a this takes us to another another level. Another thing that I think another level he called it a revolutionary moment in which man and machine can communicate at the cellular level he called it a revolutionary moment and as he did that if you remember i believe episode 48 diane deulius who's speaking now jumped in and cut him off but he was talking about it as a revolutionary moment he was so excited and giddy over this all right let's continue think is important to think about here we, we talk a little bit about it in the study which is the huge volumes of data that can be generated by technology interfacing with human beings so if you're seeing things in a different way if you're hearing things in a different way or in this in this regard of the brain machine interface there could be lots and lots of data generated by that and as we all know folks they love data the technocratic transhumanists love data we've said it here a thousand times yuval noah harari king philosopher of the world economic forum has said data is the new gold property was the best asset out there but now it is data and those who control the data will be the gods of the new era right they love data folks 
because they need data to run the prison planet. That is all part of, uh, as I've said before, that, that the silver lining is that they are a paper tiger. Their entire system, their prison planet, whether it be the prison planet they're building around us in the physical world or it be the prison planet they're building inside of the digital metaverse world, it all runs, I told you, on satellites. It will be satellites uh, on Internet, right? And it all runs on servers and it all runs on, you know, hard drives. But it also operates on data, data they need data this is what trains the artificial intelligence the brain the new god that they think they're building so just think about that all the time folks everything we do when we're interacting with technology we are serving them the data that they need to continue to program and build their new artificial god all right let's continue what do we do with that data um and and who owns that data? How is that data handled if it's data about other individuals and what they're doing, information that we would use in a military sense, but not in a societal sense, if that makes that makes any sense to you. So, you know, if someone has an enhancement and they're walking around in society, they are a data generator. They are um, through the use of that technology. Well, well let's think about this, folks. First off, when they started rolling out the same kind of people they started rolling out the drone technology all right which had been completely completely normalized at this point right every photographer every real estate photographer every marketer now has a drone you know a really good one now you can get for a thousand dollars and so they normalized that technology Uh, I know someone who is an engineer who does work at military bases and 10, 15 years ago now, maybe 15 years ago, they had um, showed me a video, shown me a video on their iPhone they shot at a military base. They weren't supposed to have it, but it was a drone that was hovering in the sky. It looked like an eyeball, you know, hanging off of a helicopter, basically, and they had video of them all over the place. So it was actually doing uh, surveillance, I guess, at this military base as they drove in. And so they had never seen it before. No one did. And within five years, they were selling you know, $20 drones at the gas station. And every photographer now has one. Every real estate marketer has one. And so that's a technology that became uh, completely normalized. And so then it started to come out in the public that they were using drone technology for all these good things. They could send a drone from New York City to Maryland to help in a fire rescue. I don't they always had all these these stories they would put out there, these different narratives. It was gonna come here and rescue people in a flood or something. But then what happened was the drone has a camera. And the camera is on. So what happens to all the data that it picks up as it flies from point A to point B? And so then I, I haven't even followed it. I would I'll probably go look into it at some point. But they started talking about, well, once the, the drone is called into mission to fly from New York City to Maryland, everything it collects from point A to point B can be used in criminal proceedings. Therefore, in your backyard, let's just say you have 
I don't know. Let's just say you were growing marijuana, which in most places I think you can do now. But let's say you were growing marijuana then. If the drone picked that up in its flight path from point A to point B while it's on a mission, they could later use that. The government could use that footage against you, even though you have nothing to do with what that drone, uh, what mission it was being sent on. And so now we see an article we reviewed uh, a few weeks ago in france they're now using drones in partnership with google uh through google map and google earth to fly around and scan people's backyards to see if they put in a pool or a shed or some kind of a gazebo during covid when the zoning offices were closed and then these people didn't end up paying licensing fees or a tax on their new pool And so now they're sending them out tax bills trying to collect this money that they didn't collect during COVID. So you see how far it's gone from a friend of mine 15 years ago seeing a drone hovering above a military base when no one knew what they were to the point now where they're using drones to harass people. And trust me, they'll use them in the United States too for the same thing. The IRS will probably use them, or if they're not already, to the point where they're now using them to harass people. And then... You know, they've been talking about for a couple of years now having drones deliver your pizza for DoorDash or having drones deliver your boxes for Amazon. And so what Deulius is talking about there is the data that's collected by this cyborg superhuman. Who owns it? Who owns the data now when they enhance their sight or enhance their sound uh, in the military and then put them back out into the real world, right? And now they're walking around collecting all this enhanced data via their uh, augmented brain and eyes and ears. It's an interesting question. So let's get into exactly what these guys' solution to this is. My solution is don't do it don't do it and as you see here they're going to freak you out and they've been doing this for the last couple of years the whole reason why elon musk and these others promote having to build super artificial intelligence is because china's going to beat us to the punch or russia's going to beat us to the punch and if they're going to do it we have to do it and we are the good guys we don't want to do it but we need to do it to protect everyone it's all in the name of national security all in the name of national defense And so this was written in 2019. This interview occurred in like 1920, okay, 2019, 2020. And so you're now two years into this since the interview took place, and you're seeing the normalization and the desensitization campaigns already running in full swing. When we get back, let's jump right back into Diane Deulius and Dr. Peter Emanuel. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. Not a doctor, folks. Not a doctor. But I am Dustin Gold of the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold, and this is Pain.tv slash gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard, folks. I'm trying to make this the standard. 
in transhumanist technocracy broadcasting, ladies and gentlemen. All right, folks, let's jump right back into this. Right now, we're getting into who owns the data, who owns the data that the cyborgs are collecting with all of their enhanced features as they merge man with machine. Let's continue. And when that data is used in a military sense, that's that's one thing, that's for defense. But how would that be used in a non-military uh, sense? My husband used to work as a civilian at one of those military issue warehouses aboard Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. So Marines, you have to give back your body armor and your helmets and turn in your weapons at the armory. You don't get to keep any of that, but you can't just give back a bionic arm or a brain implant. So what do you do? All right, so that's Hope Hodgesek asking the question. She is the host of this show and managing editor of military.com. Let's continue. You know, it's interesting. Um, that's great, Hope. Good point. We started out to talk about where technology might be in the year 2050, and we quickly got ourselves into a lot of very interesting conversations that we didn't expect. And and the one you bring up right there is, is one. So obviously, the uh, the augmentation that you're going to get when, in civilian life is going to be tremendously different in, in, in the augmentation you're likely to get when you're in the Department of Defense. And Okay, so they're already talking about the augmentation of civilians and saying, you know, you uh, out there, I don't know, Billy, I don't know, Mary, whoever's out there listening, uh, the augmentation they will give you in civilian life will obviously not be as cool as the augmentation you get in military life in military life you're going to get the bionic arm that can crush a rock but in civilian life you're only going to get a bionic arm that can crush a soda can and so as they've explained in the past uh the difference between enhancement as he says would be to restore back to let's say normal or average um some capacity that you lost right so if you lost your ability to walk they'll give you a leg that helps you walk but augmentation as opposed to enhancement that's what they call that augmentation would be giving you a leg that allows you to uh kick a hole in the side of a brick wall or something like that okay giving you superhuman powers all right let's continue that capability may not necessarily allow be suitable for integration back into society, and so now you have uh, you have this situation where you have somebody separating from military service and returning and reintegrating back into society, which we want. Not only you have the question of will you be did you sign a contract that allows you to be downgraded in in speed or uh, strength and things. Okay, do you folks? I mean, when you're listening to this. Does it not sound like we're listening to a monologue in, you know, Jason Bourne, in one of the Jason Bourne movies? I mean, they literally have two doctors. This is where, again, I don't want you to become normalized to this. Just always put this into perspective. They have two doctors representing the military who work for the government, who were given money to research and write this paper cyborg soldier 2050 and they are on military.com podcast left of boom discussing whether or not ethically they can take away the superpowers 
that they gave you while you were in the military and how to integrate you, as he said, oh, we want to integrate people back into civilian life. Well, gee, I hope these people get to go back to their families. But how we're going to deal with this once they give you special powers. I mean, we're actually having this discussion. I am having to spend my time sitting here analyzing this discussion. You are listening to me analyze this discussion, but this is a real-world discussion happening that was all coming out of a paper funded by the state, the government, our government, of the people, by the people, for the people. Right? A government of we the people. Funded by them to sit there and come up with these crazy Frankenstein ideas and then have a discussion about how you ethically transition Jason Bourne back into society once you've given him superpowers. Yeah, this is actually real, folks. This is not a Black Mirror episode. This is real. All right, let's continue. I rolled it back a few seconds. Service and returning and reintegrating back into society, which we want. Not only you have the question of will you be, did you sign a contract that allows you to be downgraded in, in speed or uh, strength and things of that nature, but you know, clearly we're going to take the weapons off if that's something that was done. So that's a difficult thing. But also, um, we were also concerned even before that, Oh, good to know. Good to know. If they implant a rocket launcher inside of your brain, they're going to take those weapons off. So listen, military guys, if you sign up to support and defend the Constitution of the United States from enemies, foreign and domestic, and these guys send you into the battlefield and have your arm blown off, and then you come back and they implant a bionic flamethrower arm on you, you're going to have to turn that back in. You're not going to be able to go home to your wife with the bionic flamethrower arm. You know, just sorry to inform you, you know, you signed a non-disclosure agreement, you can't talk about it. And you also signed the document saying you'd return the flamethrower arm. All right. Well, that's good to know. I feel better about this. What happens if they genetically modify these guys into the Incredible Hulk or Wolverine? I mean, how do they give that back? I don't know. Maybe they'll discuss it. Is to, now we have this integration for the first time of, of enhanced individuals that are operating at a performance that's above me. And now there's one person in a military unit and, and he's just a super and, or she can see and do these things that none of the other people can. So what does that do to unit cohesion? Um, or what does that do? What if that person is so, so impactful and useful that they're like, look, we can't promote you because you're just so crucial. Mm -hmm. um, you knew when you were augmented that we needed you in the front lines. And that person's like, I don't want to be in, the, in, 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 in a forward position anymore. And so, really, the first questions that the DOD has to answer that... Okay, let, let's pause that for a second. I mean, this sounds like some discussion going on, seriously, in a sixth grade chemistry class or a philosophy class, which I don't even think they have that anymore. But th th these guys are saying, okay, so the implications of turning someone into uh, Wolverine 
are, uh, well, we gave him special powers, and now how is the rest of his unit going to look at him? When he's Wolverine and they're just normal, are they going to follow him into battle? Or, well, we can't promote you to a general now, because when you sign the agreement to be augmented and turned into a Marvel superhero, you knew that you were going to have to be on the front line swinging those Wolverine blades around. I mean, this is a serious discussion going on inside of the military, folks. And let me just present this to you because I've talked about the normalization of this a few times. This document, the Cyber Soldier 2050 document, is not a secret. It's unclassified. They put this out into the public space. And then this podcast we're listening to is not some something I hacked. No, this is available to the public. This in of itself is part of the normalization of the technology because it's being discussed. And that's why I have to keep saying to you here, I don't want to be part of that. I am not paid by the government. I am not some shill for these people. I am trying to show you the realities of what's happening so that you are armed with this information to bring back to your friends and family and to teach your children and grandchildren about the world that we're living in and where it's going and how to try to escape it and avoid it. And maybe one day there'll be a revolution that stops it. But this in of itself is part of the desensitization to it. All right, let's continue. Many other agencies might not is, how do we integrate these, these technologies into our population? How does that augmented population then integrate into the overall general force? And then how do those people then separate and reintegrate into the society at large? And so... so do you hear this? Folks, did you hear that? I'm going to roll that back for you. That is important stuff right there. Let's continue. Position anymore. And so really the first questions that the DOD has to answer that many other agencies might not is, how do we integrate these, these technologies into our population? How does that... How do we integrate these technologies into our population? How do we integrate these technologies into our population? You just heard him say it. They're going to integrate this stuff into the population. How are they going to do it? If they're addressing how they're going to do it, they've already decided they're going to do it. Now it's just a matter of how they're going to do it. And that's why I read to you this piece about the uh, societal awareness coming out of this document. All right, let's continue. Augmented population then integrate into the overall general force and then how do those people then separate and reintegrate into the society at large? And so some of Right. So they're talking about these augmented cyber soldiers, these cyborgs integrating back into the public, how this is all going to happen. All right. The conversations were very obvious, like I told you, but then we started to have some questions like, what if they're like, no, I don't want to, I want my brain interface. It's inside my head. And then that person five years later, goes to the Bellagio Hotel in Las Vegas and wants to go into the Blackjack area. Like, I'm sorry, sir. Talk about card counting. They okay, okay. So make a big joke about it. But they're sitting there saying, if you took a guy, a warrior, a fighter, and you put this augmented brain chip inside his head, 
And now he has the ability to, let's say, count cards. So now he goes to the Bellagio and he's going to cheat. How could that be allowed? Dude, how about the problem is you? Okay, the problem is not going to be the guy who can now count cards. The problem is you, the people developing this, the people researching it, the people engineering it. It's all of you Frankenstein monsters, you scientists and engineer crazy transhumanist technocrats. You are the problem. So when we break this down, as I've talked about on the show, problem, reaction, solution. So they're creating a problem, putting a brain chip in someone. Then this, they're out there now provoking the reaction. They want that from the society, which is, wait a second. How the heck could uh, this guy be allowed to uh, count cards? I can't count cards. Now he could count cards. And then the solution will be whatever it is they're going to offer. And whatever they're going to offer is always going to be more technology that's going to create more problems. More problems. And so I'm telling you where they're going with this so that you know and you're ready for this on the next episode. All right? Are you ready? The problem is we're going to give this superhuman technology to the warrior. The reaction is, they just set it up for you. The reaction is, that's not fair. He could go count cards at the Bellagio. And then the solution is, don't worry. We're going to give it to everyone. Are you ready for that, folks? Are you ready for that? Because that is what we are going to get into on the next episode. Problem, reaction, solution. Give it to the warrior. It's not fair. Don't worry. We're going to give it to everyone. Everyone will become a cyborg soldier. And this is going to happen well before 2050, ladies and gentlemen, as you heard from the CEO of Nokia sitting at the World Economic Forum, that they will put smartphone implantable technology into your body by 2030. At the same time, they're rolling out 6G, which is all connected in to Elon Musk, SpaceX, Starlink satellite program folks do you see all the pieces coming together we've talked about the so-called private sector now the military the government the investors the mad scientists the big thinkers the world economic forum the bankers we've got them all involved with this this is one giant operation and they are leading us towards the extinction of humanity but the first step the bridge to get there is the fusion of man and machine ladies and gentlemen when we get back on the next episode we are getting into the problem reaction solution where the military wants to offer this to every single one of us i am dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold the matrix is a computer generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold.